Well, you can open your Bibles to two places. We'll be in James chapter 5 and then 1 Kings 18. And this being a fifth Sunday, we have our kids in service. It's a family Sunday. So all of the kids wave. Maybe you're hiding out. Some, all right. And then we have some probably in the nursery uh, in the back. And we also have a potluck after service. Please stay after if you can. But don't think about that now because you'll get hungry. That's next week. Oh, youth in, in here. Yeah, they're in here. All right. All the youth. All right. But you didn't get a coloring page. So James chapter 5 and 1 Kings 18. Let me read um, James 5, 17 and 18. Let me read it out of the New King James Version. And then I want to read it out of the Passage Translation. New King James says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. And the passage translation says this. Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like all of us. But he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so that there would be no rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the skies opened over the land so that the rain came again and produced the harvest. He was a man with human frailties just like us, but he prayed. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 and 4, in fact, I want to throw out just a little bit of the nature of God. God says this at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, and this gets a, gives us a picture of his heart. He says, you shall have no other, what? Gods before me. No other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So he says, you'll not have any other God. In fact, he reads on, he talks about being a jealous God. He does not want to share you. But then I have to remember this. He's the creator. I'm his creation. He's my God. There's nothing that I'm going to carve to worship. And I always remember when I read this, you know, we don't even know what Jesus looked like. Though we know he was Jewish or maybe had a Middle Eastern look, the Bible never said and Jesus entered into the ministry six foot five, 205 pounds, a carpenter with, we don't have any image. We don't even know unless a couple descriptions of God a little bit, but not enough to know what God even looks like. The Holy Spirit is referred to, he's not a dove, he's referred to, it came down like a dove, it was what they thought that they saw. There's nothing that we know what they look like because if we knew exactly what Jesus looked like, instead of a cross, there'd be a picture of Jesus, right? If we had an image of God, we would stick it somewhere because we're an image-driven society. There are people that make multi-millions of dollars just based on how they look in the morning and they stick it on social media. We're image-driven driven we're marketed all the time 
to purchase things because of what something looks like. But God comes back and says, you'll have no other gods. In fact, it's going to take faith to believe me because you've never seen me. That's what Jesus said. Blessed are you because you haven't seen him, but you believe. But we get a front row today to watch Elijah's life in a story. In fact, he's been trained by God. He's coming out of nowhere. We read in uh, uh, 1 Kings 17, he comes out of nowhere. He's probably a backwoods type of guy. He's only described in the Bible as the hairy man with a leather belt. He comes out of nowhere when all of the prophets, some of them have been killed, some are in hiding. And we know this in the scripture, there's only 7,000 people in Israel that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. They haven't worshipped other gods. So either Elijah is crazy or he's a man that's in touch with God. Baal, in fact, if you, if you looked at Baal, Baal is described, the word means owner. Owner. Baal also, to the people that worship Baal, was the lord of the rain and the dew. In fact, many times he was referred to as the rider on the clouds. What is Elijah's first miracle that's credited to him? He stops the rain. In fact, he says, there'll be no rain or dew until I say. Well, Baal is the god of rain and dew, the riders of the cloud. And right from the beginning, Elijah is challenging their worship of a false god. And as we'll notice in the scripture, these people are going to pray and pray and pray and pray, and nothing's going to happen, and nobody's going to talk. Nobody's going to say a word. I read this funny story. There was an atheist, and he was walking through the woods. He was admiring what he called all of the accidents of nature. What majestic trees. What powerful rivers. What beautiful animals, he said to himself. And as he was walking alongside the river, he heard rustling in the bushes behind him. Turning and looking, he saw a seven-foot grizzly bear. It started charging right towards him. He ran away as fast as he could up a path. And as he looked over his shoulder, he saw that the, the grizzly was closing in on him. Somehow he ran even faster. He was so scared that tears came to his eyes. He looked again, and the bear was even closer. His heart was pounding, and he tried to run faster, but he tripped and he fell on the ground. He rolled over to pick himself up, but the bear was right over him, reaching for him with his left paw and raising up his right paw to strike him. And that instant, this atheist cried out, Oh, God, help! Time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was silent. Even the river stopped moving. And as a bright light shone upon the man, a voice came out of the sky. You deny my existence for all of these years? Teach others that I don't exist? And even credit my creation to a cosmic accident? Do you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count on you now as a believer? The atheist looked directly into the light and he said, 
I would feel like a hypocrite to become a Christian after all of these years, but perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. Very well, God said. The light went out and the river ran. The sound of the forest resumed. The bear dropped his right paw, but he brought both paws together and he bowed his head and he spoke, Lord, for this food which I'm about to receive, I am truly thankful. When we start 1 Kings 19, we're going to see a lot of activity from prophets of an unknown, non-existing God that they've created images to worship. And Elijah, in fact, as I was reading through this the last couple weeks, there are 450 prophets of Baal. In fact, the Bible records another 400 prophets of Asherah that eat or are fed at Jezebel's table. They're all called to come to the, the situation we're going to read at Mount Carmel. So it's 850 to 1. 850 to 1. You know, pick your favorite sport that you like. Let's take basketball, if you like basketball. And it's 5 on 1. That's not fair, is it? You can take football and it's 11 on 1. You can take baseball and it's 9 on 1. You can take bowling and it's, oh, it's 1 on 1. No, it's not 1 on 1. You could choose whatever sport. And if you only had one, you're in big trouble. 850 to 1. Even though Elijah was a man just like us or had frailties just like us, he prayed and received supernatural answers. So I want to read uh, this to us. I want to read a few verses today in uh, 1 Kings 18. And I want to pick this up. Uh, verse 17, and this will be one of the first times Elijah will come face to face with Ahab, and it says this, as it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, remember, Elijah's the prophet, is that you, O troubler of Israel? Let, let's use it. In. Hey, you troublemaker, is that you? Here's the troublemaker of Israel. Here's what Elijah says. I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, and 400 prophets of Asherah that eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all of the people, and this is the people of Israel, and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Let me read you two translations out of that. The translations that, that we read are in the ESV. How long will you go limping between different opinions? Actually, I like this one better out of uh, the CEB. It says, how long will you hobble back and forth? Israel's history has been they follow God. And then all of a sudden their hearts turn. And they follow and worship other gods. 
You know, they're in Egypt for over 400 years, and their hearts are turning against God, and they're worshiping the God of the Egyptians. Their hearts go back and forth, and I like that. It says, how come you're limping along? How come you're hobbling back and forth? You need to make a decision. So when we pick this up and, and we read this, and it says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. And Elijah said to the people, I alone am left of the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Now, the no fire under it was, it was known that many of these guys would try to do some type of trickery and have some fire lit under there and call and pray down, and all of a sudden the fire would come. It would like we would see today of illusionists. So uh, Elijah's going to make sure, hey, there, there, there's nothing under, there's no fire starters under here. There's no wax starters. There's nothing underneath there. So then he goes on and he says, then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the, the God who answers by, here's the test, right? What is it? Fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Who are all the people? Everyone who's there. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, and all of the people of Israel. And I, I mean, I tried to even find a number. There's not even a number, but let me tell you, there's a lot of people at Mount Carmel watching this showdown against one man, one man who has frailties, but he's going to pray here in just a minute. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourself and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God and put no fire under it, no tricks, right, no tricks. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. So what do you do next? You haven't heard a voice. Morning to noon, morning watch, 6 a.m., six hours. Six hours of crying out, right? And nobody answers. So what do you do next? Well, we read it in the Bible. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and he must be awakened. I like one of the translations when he said this. It says, out of the New uh, Living Translation, At noontime, Elijah began mocking them. Hey, you'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming, or he's relieving himself, right? He's in the bathroom. Perhaps he's relieving himself, or maybe he's away on a trip, or he's asleep, and he needs to be wakened. Why is Elijah all of a sudden bold? He wasn't all of a sudden bold. He knew praying 
that God would show up. So what do these guys do in verse 28? So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until blood gushed out on them. And it was so when midday until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and nobody paid any attention. Now, I won't jump around like, you know, I know the kids are in here. They probably really like that today. And I brought knives. No, I'm not going to do any of, of that. Can you imagine 450 men doing like a mosh pit? Jumping around, jumping around. Then they break out knives and they're cutting one another. If you were just sitting there watching that, that would be shocking enough. And then you got Elijah sitting wherever he's sitting. Hey, where's your God? Is he stuck in the bathroom? Did he run out of, you know, toilet paper? You know, you can imagine all the things that he would say. Nobody answers. But here's what we see interesting in Elijah's day. There are more false prophets then there are a prophet that speaks the truth. And in our day, don't you think it's about the same? There are more false prophets than even preachers or people that are preaching righteousness. False prophets today don't necessarily mean that they are preachers or prophets that are just teaching heresy or junk. There are people spewing things across airways and everything today that is false and evil and immoral. And it doesn't matter if it's just one. Because Elijah's not, he's not turning around and hoping that the hundred that are hidden in the cave come. Because he knows that when he prays, God's going to listen. And just because these prophets seem to be popular, doesn't make it right. Popularity doesn't make it right. Righteousness is what makes it right. And so it doesn't matter what team these guys are trying to get on, Elijah's on the right team. And we're on the right team if we stand with God. False prophets only promise what they can't come through with. God is the one that follows through on his promises to us. So in this fight that's about to take place, it's fire that's going to be called down. Isn't it interesting to think about God that one of the first times we read in the Bible with fire is he burns a bush that doesn't burn when he calls out Moses. He will lead the people of Israel by day with a cloud and by night with a pillar of fire. And the very thing that will come down hopefully will stir the people to remember the faithfulness of God. They've heard the stories. Think of the time that we're reading. They've heard the stories of coming out of Egypt. They've heard of King Saul and they've heard of David. And they recognize the goodness of God, but their hearts have turned. And Elijah's calling a showdown. It's his own throwdown to show them that God Almighty is number one. And it's faith in God alone. See, they have faith in Baal, but it's empty. It's not based on any promise. The Elijah has faith, bold faith, that as he prays in a minute, God will respond. And he's going to make it look impossible. Let's read on this. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Everybody say, come near to me. 
He wants them to see there's no tricks. There's no fire starters. There's nothing added in. Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You see, this used to be a place of worship. This used to be a place where people would come, but it's been torn down. Come to me, and I want to start with this first. There's no tricks, but I'm going to start with this one thing. I want you to see that I'm going to rebuild the place where worship happened for the people of Israel. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes. I'm going to take a stone of each of the number of tribes to know that the tribes were assigned. They had specific duties. It was God that took care of them and protected them. And so he was going to use that example of 12 stones according to the tribes of the son of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around large enough to hold two sheaths of seed. Now you know how to measure that, don't you? You get your sheaf tape out. No, we don't know how to measure that. In fact, the description is he made a three foot wide trench around the altar. And as we read in the Bible, in verse 33, he put the wood pieces in order. He cut the bull in pieces. He laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. Remember, there's not going to be a spark, a fire starter. There's nothing on there. This thing is completely soaked. So water ran all around the altar and he filled the trench. And it came to pass at the time of the evening offering, of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said Lord God of Abraham Isaac and Israel let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant that I have done all these things at your word hear me O Lord hear that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. What's the end of his prayer? God, turn their hearts. Right? That should be one of the things that we pray every day over people. God, turn their hearts. Notice he doesn't say, hey, and can you catapult my prophet ministry? Because I would love to kind of get out of this town. I would like to go somewhere when, when I prophesy the people are like, amen. Is he talking about himself at all? No, he's talking about the people's hearts. God, I want you to have glory this day. And in you having glory, the hearts of people are going to be turned back to you. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And I love how the New King James says it. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let any one of them escape. 
So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishron, and he executed them there. Now, even with the kids that are in here, and we read this story, and we read in the Bible, and here's what we know. Everything we read, even today, has been breathed by the Holy Spirit. It's to teach us. We read the Old Testament to receive instruction on what God did and what God did with a person that was bold enough to stand when nobody else would stand against uh, 850 prophets. And we don't know why only 450 were uh, involved. Who knew? If, what, maybe it was if they failed, we got another 400 ready to roll. But when I look at what Elijah says, I want you to come here. I want you to see that there's no tricks. I don't have an electrical cord coming from a generator that's going to spark at a certain time. I'm going to rebuild the place that was worship from generations ago. That people came here to worship. In fact, they came here at the evening time and this sacrifice would have reminded them of a sin offering to the Lord. That they would have repented to the Lord with this offering. But I want them to see what's going to happen. You know, and I thought about this as I was reading this story. The prophets of Baal prayed, yelled, jumped, and cut themselves between the morning and evening, longer than six hours, all day long, praying, yelling, cutting, screaming, jumping. That's exhausting. And what happened? Nothing. 64-word prayer. God, let you be glorified and let the people's hearts turn to you. Let you be glorified and let the people's hearts turn to you. You know, when I read the story, that's what I see God wanting to do. And when we look at Elijah, it's our prayer and our boldness and the people that we talk to and the people that we, we pray for. God, let you be glorified, but let their hearts turn. This morning, and I only tell this story, I tell this story for one purpose. It doesn't mean I rat anybody out. Uh, I typically wake up very early. It's just one of those nat natural things that happens to me. I think it's a blessing. Some of you think, oh man, I don't want to get up early. Uh, I rebuke curses, right? Um, 4.23, I think I woke up and I was fighting to get up and I get a text at 4.40 that says, I'm on my way to pray and I notice your lights are on on your truck in the driveway. Now, the person in our family that had used my truck um, had parked it. It probably had been there six hours, seven hours with the lights on. My neighbor's Muslim. At 4.40 in the morning, they left this morning because they go to morning prayer. But he saw my lights on and he texted. And the reason I tell you the story is because of the very first thing that he said. I'm on my way to pray. And I saw that your truck, regardless of the truck, regardless that AAA does come at 5.05 a.m., right, just so you know, I, uh, all of that worked out. It has not, the only reason I tell you this story is I thought it was very interesting that it happened this morning as we're reading about people that worship Baal. Our neighbors know that we love them and talk with them and care for them. But the one thing that we know 
is even the act of them leaving at 440 to go and worship is not our God. But they have the dedication to do so. I kept thinking about it all morning. I'm on my way to pray. I'm on my way to pray. I'm on my way to pray. Do we think that every morning when we get up? Oh, I need to be on my way to pray. Or we, I got on my way to get coffee. I'm on my way to pray. Have we become complacent? Has, and I like what, uh, and I'll, I'll give Frank the credit. Have, has it been greasy grace? Right? God knows my heart. You know, if I didn't pray today, you know, he knows that I'll, I'll do it this week. You know, God, because God knows that I have that right heart. 440 in the morning. I'm on my way to pray. We're pulling out this morning at 630. Here comes a van load full of people. And I named it, thank you, right? So I'm on my way to church. I'm on my way to pray. It didn't bother Elijah that he was the only one. He wasn't looking for a new assignment. We read Elijah. In fact, uh, if you read through Elijah, Elijah goes through the ups and downs in life. He's going to get very depressed here in a little bit when Jezebel, when he hears word of Jezebel after him. But he's a man with frailties just like us. But as we read... But he prayed and received supernatural answers. Could it be that we're not receiving supernatural answers because we haven't taken the time to pray? Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. I think if we were to read Elijah's words, it would be the same today that Father God would say, come near. You know, we're, we're referred to as his children. The, the, one of the Greek words says to call him Abba Father. It's the word we would say, Daddy. Many of us use that word when we were little kids. We say, Daddy. We probably don't say it today. Hey, Daddy. You know, we don't use those words. But God is saying, hey, come here. I want your heart right. I want you to come in my presence. I love you so much. But I'm a God that won't share you. I don't want to share you with anybody. I want you and you alone. I think about you when you get up. I think about you. You're on my mind all day long. And when you put your head down on the pillow at night, my thoughts are of you. I've never left you. I'll never forsake you. I know the plans of your life. And they're for good and not evil. And they're to give you a future. And they're to give you hope. So come to me. Come to me often. Pray. Let it be refreshing to you. Be bold. I've placed you in the state, in the city, in the job, in the school, the place that you work. I've placed you there. Be bold. Be an example. Be a light. Be a city on a hill. Let me use you. But pray. I want that relationship with you. So Lord, we come into your presence and we come back to that thought of let me be found praying. 
not get discouraged when things happen, not be upset, not flying off the handle. But Lord, let the first thing out of my mouth be, I need to pray about that. I pray, Lord, over all of us today that we remember that you're wanting to turn hearts back to you. In fact, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or this is a day to return to him, I want all of us to say this prayer. In fact, if you would repeat it after me. Ready? Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived and that he died for me. I accept him as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that, please let us pray for you at the end of service. Even if your heart's just coming back, boy, just a quick prayer to agree. Well, stand uh, with me if you would. We're going to close uh, in a song, and Michelle will dismiss us. 1 Kings 18, 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said... How long will you falter between two opinions? Elijah not only asked a question, he gave an invitation, essentially. He gave an invitation to change their way of thinking. And church, I ask you today, as I do myself, as we ask ourselves, how long will you falter between two opinions? Because you see, we're living not only in a city or a state or a nation or working on jobs or teaching in classrooms or whatever your world looks like. We're living in a time that is contrary to the word. And there's a lot of gods out there, just like we experienced this morning um, with our neighbor. There are a lot of gods out there that don't come wrapped up in the name of Baal. They have other names. And this week, I don't know if you were paying attention to the news or political activity that's going on in our nation. Today, this past week was a big week politically because we began our next election cycle. Welcome to the election. And this is not a political thing. I don't care what party you belong to. The party I belong to is this party, and it's called The Word. And if you do not know what the word says and what God you serve, you will be faltering between different opinions. And I am telling you, it is so vitally important for us, church, believer, I'm speaking to believers, that we are not faltering between opinions 
that we, the only opinion that we falter to is this one and that we know what it says and that when we are put in a situation that needs fire called down, just like in the upper room, it was as if there was fire on their heads because the Holy Spirit was present. Wouldn't it be something if you're sitting at your desk at work or in your car or you're pulling people over, whatever the case may be, and they're freaking out because it looks like there's fire on your head. I know that sounds crazy, but you know what? Could that be what the fire looks like today? Because you are so faltered to this opinion that when people see you, they know there is something different. And there is no other God that can stand when you're around. It could have the biggest moat around you filled with water and the enemy could want to be taunting you from every direction. But because you only come back to this, oh, the fire of God rests on you. And in the day that you live, it's going to require the fire of God, the Holy Spirit, the all-consuming presence of Jesus leading, guiding, and directing your steps. <laughs> um, Maverick, when we named him, way before he was ever a twinkle in our eye, I remember uh, Madison, I don't even think was a year old, and we were on staff at a church in North Carolina, and I get a phone call one day from Walt, and he says, babe, if we ever have a boy, I know what we're going to name him. I said, what? He said, Maverick. I'm all, oh, it's an M. That works. Let's find out what it means. Because the meaning was the most important. And Maverick means trailblazer. And I've told, we've told him since he was little. It was painted in his room when he was born. That his name means trailblazer because we knew the day in which he would live would require him to be a trailblazer, to go against the grain and to blaze away for Jesus. And I remember when he was in first grade, his teacher was a precious lady. And she, they had all the kids, made them write down what their name was, and they were going to look it up. And he told her, because I remember in teacher conference, she looked at me and she said, Maverick told me that his name means trailblazer and that he's to blaze a trail for Jesus. Church, like Elijah, you're called to be an Elijah and you're called to be a Maverick to blaze a trail, light your world up. Amen? Light it up. Be and you know what? What a fitting week for this message. Fourth of July, when you see those fireworks going off, you know what? Just think, that's what my world is supposed to look like. Amen? Well, we are going to have family time together next door. It's the fifth Sunday of the month, and we get to sit and fellowship together. If you would, 
Would you join us next door? Let's sit and have a meal together. Enjoy each other's company. Get to know your family members a bit more. If you need prayer, please come down. We would love to pray with you. And God bless you. Have a great week.